Cuckoo. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Eurofile. My name is Catherine Rory. And my name is Kate Walker. Kate. Hi, everyone. <laughs> What's going on? How are you this week? I'm good. Yesterday, we dried oranges to put oh, on yes. a Christmas tree. Oh, how beautiful. I'm getting into the spirit, mm-hmm. you know? Good. I got all my Christmas shopping done. I did Pilates. I am productive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how about you? <laughs> I'm good. I had a lovely holiday weekend like yourself. My sister mm-hmm. came over and we watched um, The Family Stone, The Holiday. <gasps> Yeah. Meet oh, me in okay. St. Louis. Louis Louis. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Um, what is it? Clang, clang, clang goes the trolley. <laughs> yeah. Ding, ding, ding. With the, the bell. Sing, sing, sing. Let my heart strings from the moment <laughs> I saw him, I fell. <laughs> and that's the podcast, everyone. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thank you. I'm bowing out of the room. <laughs> Um, we made really good Christmas cookies. What kind of cookies? We made the ones with the Hershey Kiss. Like almond, you did almond butter, right? Yeah. Instead of we peanut did butter. like you know sugar free, um, well minus the Hershey Kiss. It, there was the recipe mm-hmm. said to make your own chocolate drops, and I was like, who do you think I am? I'm not gonna yeah. do that. So it's I'm like buying those. you know almond flour, <laughs> almond butter, all that stuff. But they're yeah. so good. They like hit the same okay. spot Please that you want. Please send yes. the recipe. Because I have no self-control and I could easily eat 10 of yeah. those cookies myself. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, we, if we're going to make them, we might as well make them. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. But okay. Well, do you mind if we dive right into my By all means. topic today? So kind of an apology, but not an apology because fuck it. <laughs> okay. By the time I was done researching this, I was like, um, this is not really the most holiday appropriate of stories. It's an unsolved mystery (gasps) (laughs) that we're talking about today. And I was like, hmm, this could have worked maybe better in October, but I had done all the work (laughs) and it's an entertaining story. So I was like, whatever, we're going to do it. Okay. Also, before I say, well, okay, we're going to Scotland today Mm -hmm. and that's the country Mm -hmm. that I chose and Mm -hmm. take this story with a pinch of salt because there is no hard resources, hard and fast resources on this. Hats off to the people who gathered all the information that I then took in and will summarize for you. (laughs) So, okay. (laughs) So we are going to be talking about the mysterious death of a woman called Netta Fernario on the island of Iona. Okay, please tell me. Here's a quick little recap, and then I'll talk to you about the island, because I've been there, and it's an amazing, amazing place. So she was a woman found dead on the island of Iona off of the west coast of Scotland on November 19th, 1929. She was 33 years old. She was Mm -hmm. found naked underneath a black cloak mm-hmm. in the middle of a farmer's field with scratches all over her feet and there was oh a knife nearby and mm-hmm. someone had cut across into the hillside just <gasps> weird other than the scratches on her feet no other mm-hmm. signs of bodily harm okay. and like i said it is still unsolved today okay so now we're gonna talk about iona which 
I had never heard of until I studied abroad in Southampton. One of my best friends to this day, I met her there. Her name is Iona and she's mm-hmm. Australian. Kate, you've met her. She's visited. Adore her. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, just one of the best. She's named after this island. Mm-hmm. So she and I went there over spring break in, this is March, 2015. It is incredibly small. It's one mile wide and three and a half roughly miles long. Oh my God, teeny tiny. Yes. Planes, trains, and automobiles to get... To get there. (laughs) So like we had to take a bus to London, get on a plane to Glasgow where we stayed for one... We got in late, stayed for the night, left early in the morning, Mm -hmm. took a bus to Oban, which is on the western coast, then took Mm -hmm. a ferry to the island of Mull, and we stayed there (laughs) for a night. And then you must have really wanted to go. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I mean, it was so special, you know. Yeah. And yeah. she she had been before as a young girl and wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. Then from the Isle of Mull, we took a ferry to Iona. Today, it has a population of 177 people. So there is a small okay. village there. Is everyone like ancient? I don't know. I would imagine so. Yeah. And there was, so I'm going to like, if I think of a story of my experience while I talk, I'm just going to scatter it in there because I was looking out and there's, we stayed at the hostel there. There was a really lovely hostel because it is a very high tourist spot. Mm -hmm. So there was a nice hotel that I think has the mm. only restaurant there and we didn't have anything we had like granola bars in our backpacks and so we could only <laughs> afford you know we're like broke college kids everything was expensive because it's hard to get to you know mm-hmm. and I remember what we had we could only afford the soup starter a mm. side of broccolini <laughs> And of course, though, we splurged for a chocolate cake. Oh my God, it was so good. I remember it was like flourless chocolate cake with honeycomb on top. Are you kidding me? It was so, so That's everything I like. That is all we could afford at this fancy place. And we're like, we do not belong here, but whatever. (laughs) And then there's the ruins of a nunnery and an abbey there. The early Christians and Celts have believed it to be a very spiritual place and it's called a thin place which means that the veil between the physical and spiritual worlds is Mm -hmm. really really thin maybe christians might say the veil between heaven and earth are really thin Mm -hmm. and let me just say i believe it based on it is just (gasps) so beautiful the water around it looks like the mediterranean it is light blue whoa Okay. An absolutely stunning a dream place. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. I have photos that I'm going to share from my yes. there, <laughs> oh, obviously. <yay>. Good. <laughs> so the monastery and abbey were set up in 563 AD. Okay. For that long, it has been Very considered a religious mm-hmm. place. Kings were buried there. Clans members were buried okay. there. People feel connected to the, quote, other side there. Okay. The earth of Iona is considered Mm -hmm. to be so sacred that it can heal sin. And sometimes a spiritual light is said to be seen shining over the whole island. And people say, oh, that's light peeking through from heaven or from the other, another realm. Sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The last fun little thing, because like I could gush about it forever. It was really, really special. Um, (laughs) I remember Iona telling me, once you go, you have to return twice. Oh. It calls you a total of three times. So she's been twice. She's been more than, she's been since two. 
because she oh, lived okay. in Scotland for a little bit. Oh, right, right. You're yeah. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I still have to go two more times in my life. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, someone's got to do the dirty work. <laughs> and I'll sign up for that. Now you can imagine I'm, this I'm there. incredible, I'm picturing it. Okay. Lustry, beautiful island off of Scotland. Mm. So now we'll talk about Netta. Her name was Marie Emily Fornario, called Netta. Okay. Cute. We Cute. don't know that yeah. much about her. She was born in Cairo in 1897. Oh. Yeah. And we don't know the exact date. To an English mother and Italian father. After mm-hmm. her mother died, she was placed in the care of her wealthy English grandfather. I don't know what happened to her dad. Okay. I can't find anything about yeah. him. And then they lived in southern London. So when she was 12, her grandpa passed away and left Aww. a ton of money to her. So she okay, was well, like a little rich right. girl. Yeah, okay. I don't know what their relationship was like. I would hope it was a nice okay. one. Uh-huh. And she was sent to the Ladies College of Eastbourne, which is like a fancy Victorian ladies. Like finishing school yes. or something. Yep, yeah. exactly. Okay. She was considered to be very unusual for her time and surrounded herself with like-minded people. Okay. So now this is probably like the 1910s. And so she's, you know, 20-something-year-old woman. Mm -hmm. At this time, London had many occult societies and orders. And she became a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which is founded by, I don't know if people are familiar with Aleister Crowley, who was like a very no, famous- No, I'm not familiar. Okay. A really uh-huh. famous occultist who is okay. worthy of an entire episode himself. <gasps> and she was also an officer in a Freemason lodge that accepted women members. So, you know, here she oh, is. Oh, great. Loving all the secret society stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She um, also claimed to be Rosicrucian, which if that sounds familiar to you or anyone, that is from the Order of the Solar Temple episode. They believed (laughs) that they possessed esoteric wisdom passed down from ancient times. She was like eating that shit up. Yeah. She was a wealthy woman, so she could do whatever. She didn't care about Mm. having to find a husband necessarily. Mm. Just like Emma. Yep. Just like Emma. (laughs) Jane Austen's Emma. I'm sure they would have gotten along very well. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not. So she devoted herself to learning ancient magic and would go into trances and summon demons and spirits. Okay, well. Like, she was an individual. Yeah, don't mess with that stuff. If you ask me, my mom Mm -hmm. always has taught me never touch a Ouija board. Promise me once. Never. Never touch a Ouija board. And I will never do it. That's very sound advice. Yes. Yeah. So everyone I call out to you, never Never. touch. You just don't know what's going to happen. Don't do it. So according to a woman named Dionne Fortune, who is a fellow occultist who I've never heard of until now, but also she was a well-known person in this society. Mm -hmm. And um, Netta had said that she wants... She wanted to go to Iona to conduct a deep healing and to study, quote, mm-hmm. green ray elementals, which we know as fairies. But oh. so then, well, okay. I looked up because it, it was fairies. Fairies are kind of naughty, right? Yes. So yeah. I looked up the different because it was spelled fairies with an E, you know, F-A-E-R-I-E-S. And I was like, yeah. is that the same okay. as fairies with an I? And they're not the same. Oh, I know. I did not know that. I thought it was just like a a spelling, like Ireland versus Scotland. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Okay. So 
fairies with an eye are considered to be a group of young and pure spirits. Okay. They're good looking. They're a little bit mischievous. This is Tinkerbell. Yes, exactly. They're a little mm-hmm. mischievous. They're not naughty. And then fairies with an E. Yeah, a little cheeky, <laughs> but they're not out to get you. Fairies okay. with an E are evil, unfriendly, cruel, oh, and dangerous. Okay. Those are the ones that steal babies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what people yeah. would say, you know. Be careful. Yeah. The fairies will come and get you. Can I do a little tangent on that? Yeah, I just learned this like maybe two weeks ago. Back, back then, mm-hmm. I don't know when, but they believed that in the days of your <laughs> little boys had a much higher mortality rate than <gasps> girls they thought it was fairies taking <gasps> the boys away and so that's why in the christening gowns yeah <gasps> they wear gowns because it's they're Shut kind of up. like fooling like so even little boys wear gowns yes. and that they're like fooling the fairies yeah. or whatever And then as soon as they get baptized, they're sort of like absolved of their original sin. Okay. And the fairies are you know, and then it's like less scary. Okay. I don't I don't know if it's less interested, but the Christians at least are less terrified of their babies being snatched before they can be baptized. Wow. That is a great fact. Thank you. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Dion Fortune was a renowned occultist okay. and knew Netta very mm-hmm. well, but she kept her distance from Netta because she thought that Netta was going to take things too far. For a famous okay. occultist, okay, Netta must be very out there. Yeah. And she thought She's that... She's pushing the boundary too much. Mm-hmm, and she thought that she was going to take things too far beyond her control. And she didn't really have the right, quote, disposition for this kind of work that she wanted to do. And weirdly, though, Dion wrote a story about another occultist. And in this story, there was a death similar to Netta's. So I think that's okay. just a weird coincidence. But just death similar to Netta's know. that happened years later. Oh. Very weird. Mm-hmm. And Netta herself did not believe in modern medicine. And mm-hmm. according okay. to her, I know. I mean, how much were doctors doing back in the 1910s? But still. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bloodletting. Right. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. When, when did lobotomies start? <laughs> <laughs> and according to her housekeeper in London, she would cure people by telepathy. Okay. Mm, okay, just, you know, was living her own life. And okay. she was overall a very happy, passionate person. So mm-hmm. she was happy living mm-hmm. life as she chose Mm -hmm. so she became obsessed with the island of iona after reading a short story by her favorite author william sharp who wrote that the Mm -hmm. area around loch stonig a little body of water on the southern tip of the island where fairies allegedly roam free fairies with an okay she was feeling called to iona and apparently amongst occultists spiritual occultists you can feel the call of the isles and it's something in your soul that calls you to a certain place and they're normally like that with italy (laughs) you feel the call of the isles (laughs) yes ishia is calling me (laughs) 
<laughs> I think you're onto something there. I wouldn't debate yeah. you on that. So when she arrived to Iona, she came with enough furniture and belongings to fill a small house. So she clearly was planning to stay a while. To stay a while, okay. And it was even then it was a touristy place to go. Okay. But it was the end of summer, so it was easy for her to find a place. And she found a room with the McRae family. Mm-hmm. And even a local newspaper called The Scotsman wrote about her because she was strange for the times. Okay. They mentioned an alien woman who dressed in the fashion of arts and crafts movement, which was not in normal fashion at all, mm-hmm. with long capes and hand-woven tunics settled into the McRae house. Even the newspaper felt the need to talk about yeah. her. And okay. she had wild black hair that she would wear in braids. For whatever reason, she refused to wear hats. Scandal. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. I wonder what she has against that. Yeah. And she wore a lot of silver jewelry every day. Maybe she just had a large head and she just didn't want to, you know. Very bad. But she loved jewelry. Love, love that. <laughs> yep. Love that for her. <laughs> and she struck up a friendship with Mrs. McRae. And they just had an immediate connection. Mrs. McRae knew all about the island, and Netta wanted to hear about it. And there was mm-hmm. just a mutual fascination with each other. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Netta confided in Mrs. McRae that before she traveled to Iona, she experienced a week-long trance. Oh, my God. I know. Do you eat? Do you? I, I don't know how that works. Okay. And she told Mrs. McRae, if I ever fall under one of these trances again, do not get a doctor or contact the authorities under any circumstance, Mm -hmm. which is weird. Mrs. McRae agreed Mm -hmm. because she thought she was just being quirky. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not a, she's a little bit kooky. Mm -hmm. And she was like, this is a little concerning, (laughs) but whatever, it's fine. Yeah. And then it was the end of summer when she arrived. And now we're into mid-November. Miss mm-hmm. McRae keeps getting more and more concerned because Netta would disappear for entire nights. She would go into weird trance-like states, but not for too long a time. Mm-hmm. A constant, distant look in her eye. Mm-hmm. And she would speak in ramblings that were incoherent. No one could understand okay. what she was talking about. Do we think she's mentally ill? I mean, yeah. Yes. Going through a mental episode. Yes. Yeah. So we'll talk at the end okay. about possible okay. things. And she was hearing voices and her silver jewelry had started to turn black, which is weird because oh my God. I know something very weird was going on because Yeah, like what is she doing? Silver jewelry, the pH in your skin makes it shiny. So if you're wearing it every oh, day. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I wear gold, so I don't know. I know, I wear gold too now, but I used to be a silver fan. And it was great because you never need to polish it because it just stays shiny Mm -hmm. if it's on your skin. So that's weird. Oh, that's lovely. That it's turning black. Unusual. And then she sends a cryptic message to her housekeeper back in London saying that she will not Mm -hmm. be home anytime soon because she still has a lot of personal healing to do. Mm -hmm. Unsure what she's doing, disappearing all night. Where is mm-hmm. she? Is she with someone? Yeah. Is she walking around? I just pictured just being freezing. Yes. Like, it was what are you cold doing? in March yeah. when we were there. Yeah. So I can't imagine. She would basically just spend her day walking around the island. So this is where things start to happen now. On November 17th, oh God, okay. 
the McCrae's found her packing up her things in a huge rush to leave the island. She said she mm-hmm. was being physically attacked by several people on the island. You know, she's like, I need to leave mm-hmm. now. The McCrae's, they're like, what are you doing? It's Sunday. You know no fairies leave mm-hmm. this island on Sundays. But she was insistent mm-hmm. and got all of her stuff together and waited at the ferry dock for hours until finally mm-hmm. she gave up and walked back to the house and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden was very calm and said okay never mind i don't want to leave Ugh. this is freaking me I out know, it is creepy <laughs> so she decided to go on one of her walks mm-hmm. the next day the family knocked on her door but she did not answer Mm-hmm. They looked in her room and it looked totally normal, mm-hmm. tidy, her typical tidiness, nothing mm-hmm. out of place. And the entire village go out and search for her and no one could find her. So the next day, this was um, November 19th now, so Tuesday, she was found, okay. her body was found by mm-hmm. two farmers in the center of a field near a, quote, fairy mound, oh. a hill thought to be a dwelling place of fairies. Oh my God. Fairies with an E here. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, she was nude except for a black cloak mm-hmm. and all of her silver jewelry, which was now totally black. Oh, and okay. it was in a hollow in the moor. Mm-hmm. It was about two and a half miles from where she was living. Okay. And she or someone else had carved a cross into the hillside. And some occultists say that this is a method used to contact the fairy realm. So we can assume that she did it, okay. I guess. At first, it was thought that she died of exposure. Mm-hmm. She had did have horrific cuts on her feet, but maybe because mm-hmm. she was walked for two and a half miles barefoot. Yeah. But was she running away from something? Was she running towards something? Yeah. Just like her behavior before yes. made it very, sus- very suspicious. Yeah. Wow, I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> and because it was so cold, it was hard to tell when she died, mm-hmm. you know, because she's just mm-hmm. preserved. Mm-hmm. So it could have been the 17th, that Sunday night. It could be yeah. the 19th in the morning, like they the corner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a small island, so mm-hmm. they really look into this that well, probably. What they, did the coroner say then? He concluded that she died of heart failure due to exposure. Oh, yeah. Okay. And she was buried on the island. Uh. And rumors started to circulate that she was surrounded by weird blue lights when they found her. A strange cloaked man was lurking around the island, but mm-hmm. like rumors. Yeah. Ooh, now we though. can talk about some theories <laughs> okay. before we wrap yes. things up. You know, were the spirits, the voices that she was hearing, were they spirits? Did they finally, like, get a hold mm-hmm. of her? Did Iona, this is the fun kind of occult side of seeing. Okay. Did Iona make her lose her mind because the veil was so thin and she was so susceptible? Mm-hmm. Could the spirits have harmed her? So, okay, this is an explanation, a medical explanation as to okay. why her silver could have been turning black. Okay. So it was speculated that she was severely diabetic and had high amounts okay. of acidity in the blood, which was throwing off her pH balance and the oh, body. Oh, so got that it. Could got have it. Caused okay. the jewelry to oxidize. That's so wild to me. I just I did not know that about silver. Yeah, really strange. Mm-hmm. And because she didn't like modern medicine, she probably was living undiagnosed with severe diabetes mm-hmm. and was experiencing like high amounts of insulin and then low amounts of insulin mm-hmm. in the blood. So during that time, you know, if she's experiencing a yeah. drop in insulin, she could be confu- in a confused state. She could be yeah. in trance like because she's so tired. Uh-huh. 
She also could have had some sort of mental health thing going on that drove her to go walk outside and then died of exposure. Yeah. She could have just been suffering from something. I don't, I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. So Crazy. That's the story of Netta Frenario. Oh, poor Netta. I was so drawn to it because who doesn't like a non-solved mystery? And mm-hmm. Iona is just such an amazing mm-hmm. place. That's so fun. Thank you. Um, should I get into yes, mine? <laughs> We're going to talk about the massacre of Glencoe. Ooh, what a grim <laughs> topic this? today. No. I know. We're, going, we're <laughs> kind of going dark a little bit. But no, um, well, I, I was I like, have. oh my God, what if Kat does something regarding this? Oh, yeah. Well, don't put it past me. <laughs> I was I was very scared. Okay, so have you heard of Glencoe or know anything about? I've heard of it. Okay, so it's in the Highlands <gasps> in Argyle. Hmm. One of the nicknames for it is the Weeping Glen. Okay. Okay. So there was a massacre in Glencoe on February 13th, 1692. But a little bit of background. This is all like really political and I'm scared I'm not going to get this right, but here we are. (laughs) If anyone has watched Outlander (laughs) here, (laughs) this is very topical and basically everything they talk about in Outlander. It has to do with the Jacobites. Okay. The Jacobite Rebellion. And so the Jacobite Rebellion was in 1689, I think. Wish I would have written that down, but I'm pretty sure it's 1689. Okay, so a Jacobite is a supporter of the exiled Stuart King James II. So in Latin, he is called Jacobus. So Jacobite. Okay. There's like supporters of the Stuart line yes. of the throne. Mary Queen of Scots. Yes, exactly. Is that her son? Um, I don't know. I don't. Anyways. I, don't quote me on that. Basically, the Jacobite movement was from 1688 until the 1750s. Okay. And the British do a lot of things to quell the Jacobite movement, mm-hmm. including the Battle of Culloden. We won't talk about that, but it was really detrimental to Scottish clans okay. and families and history and culture. It was detrimental to Scottish culture. Okay. So, ew, we hate it. <laughs> wait, wait, why? Um, I don't get What do you mean? So, the British want to impose all these laws on the Scots. Yeah. And a lot of the clans were Catholics and Papists. Oh. This is all from Outlander and just everything I learned from that. But basically, the Battle of Culloden, that is really the major way the Brits ended up making essentially any form of Scottish language. You couldn't wear a tartan. Okay. You couldn't... So the English won this battle and then... Yes. And then made everything illegal. Okay. I wish there was a better way, or I wish I could explain that better, but basically that's what happened. The massacre of Glencoe happened after Mm -hmm. the Battle of Culloden. Okay. Now here the British are trying to get every single clan Mm. to basically make this allegiance to William and Mary, a signed declaration of their support. They're not Jacobites. They're not supporting any Stuart claims to the throne. They're supporting 
Queen Mary. Okay. Some clans didn't want to do that. Right. And they're really reticent to offer that allegiance because they're Catholics and they believe in this Mm -hmm. line of succession of the Stuarts. So the Campbell clan invited the McDonald clan to... It was basically like a show of good faith. Like they invited them to their land. They stayed there for like two weeks. Okay. It was friendly. But during this time, the Campbells had already pledged their allegiance to William and Mary and the McDonald's had not yet. So basically there was like anticipation that the McDonald's were going to do that. And I think the Campbell's sort of got orders from... Egg them along, make them bow down to England. Yes, exactly. Okay, so basically the McDonald's were holding out doing their oath and they were also like Jacobites. So I think that, I don't know if they were going to eventually swear their oath just because of, yeah, but the British crown gave permission or orders really for the Campbells to slaughter the McDonald's. Oh no. It sounds like Game of Thrones stuff. Yes. Okay. Mm. Hold that thought. And most of the clan McDonald was able to escape, but 33 men, two women, and two children were killed. So basically in Scotland, I know. Do you know any Campbells, like anyone with the last name Campbell? No. No. I don't think so. Okay, so now they say that there is a legend or like curse (gasps) of the McDonald's because, you know, (gasps) being a Protestant is naughty, naughty in Highland, Highland, Scotland. (laughs) So it's sort of like the Campbell name is associated with this massacre. (gasps) Uh Uh-oh, yikes. Change your name. (laughs) And so at Glencoe and other like Highland villages... Even to this day, there are signs in restaurants, inns, pubs, and shops that say, we do not serve Campbell's. Oh, Oh my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I read this article. It said, how to properly insult a Campbell. (laughs) When it comes to ancient curses, the best defense is a good offense. So next time you're in Inverary, where the Campbell's are supposed to like originate Mm -hmm. from, Consider partaking in this quaint ancient custom. I'm not condoning, like, being petty, (laughs) whatever. I'm just saying what's happening. I don't hate anyone. Yes, I do. (laughs) I do hate some people, but... (laughs) Not in this case. Not in this case, no. As you drive past their dower castle over a narrow bridge, you extend your hand towards it. And with the forefinger and little finger extended and middle fingers curled into the palm, the devil's horn sign, you can say, <laughs> It's the rock sock. sign. The rock symbol. <laughs> yeah. Buit sock. I think that's how you say it. Three times and spit between the fingers <gasps> three times. And you're basically like cursing them. Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. That's intense. So that's the the wow. very shortened story. Great. I mean, there's so many like other things that put the massacre at Glencoe and like into motion. Mm-hmm. But basically, long story short. But yeah, so Great. George R. R. Martin, mm-hmm. one of his really big inspirations was the massacre at Glencoe for the Red Wedding. Okay. That sounds mm-hmm. about right. I do remember mm-hmm. we were in the Edinburgh Castle 
during a tour and they said this sounds much more like the red wedding but they said there was another situation there that was inspiration for the red wedding too yeah what i'm sure it was like an amalgamation of scotland has have you been past i have been to scotland actually this is great because then i can just segue right into this travel story (laughs) well thank you so i (laughs) thank you so my cousin Elizabeth and I went to Scotland. This was like her first time in Europe. And <laughs> she's like kind of a smoker and she, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally quits here and there. So she had quit yeah. before. And then I was like, no, Elizabeth, you can't quit because you have to go make friends outside <laughs> make friends for us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So here I am pushing my poor cousin, like who's like trying to quit smoking. And I'm like, no, that's how you make friends here. Go go outside and make us a friend. Yeah. So she did make us a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, We met this older gentleman who was like an eternal bachelor. And he just loved Elizabeth. Like old men just adore her. (laughs) Older men love love me and also just adore. So they just adore her. And so she's out there like, you know, smoking and chatting Mm -hmm. with this like old man. Oh, Ian, his name was Ian. Ian. And he's like, I'll take you on a walking tour of Edinburgh. (laughs) Just this old guy. And so I was like, well, we either get murdered or we just end up on a lovely walking yeah. tour with this older man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we ended up going, meeting him the next day, and he took us oh all around God. Edinburgh. And he took us to this really nice pub that was like the most beautiful oh. pub with wood inlays. And it was just like the most gorgeous oh. old wow, Ian. pub. And we nice. had haggis. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did. I mean, it was beautifully plated and it didn't look like anything weird. Yeah. And I thought it was really good. Oh, really? I never have tried it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. I liked it. Good job. Yeah. I never want to prepare it, but Mm, no, I'd only eat it from a cute little place. Yeah. Oh, and then on the door, it said you couldn't wear, I forget how they worded it, but it was basically you couldn't wear any sports yeah, I like that clothing role. attire. Great. Well, it was, it's because people get into fights. <gasps> it wasn't because it was, was like elegant or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and both I just matters. think that's funny because yes. that's not like that here, you know, no. people don't really get into fights like that. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's my cute. Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. I have a little story, two little things. So I said earlier that we went to Mull. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever had an oyster, but they were so expensive. What? Yeah. Like a fresh? Yeah. Like fresh, locally uh-huh. caught. I never had an, uh, like a not fried oyster in a po' boy <laughs> until I was much older, like 25, maybe. We were like, they're literally pulled out of the bay right here, but they were still expensive. And we were so poor. And so we asked the bartender, we were the only two people there. And he, mm-hmm. we were like, can we just have one each to try? And he's like, mm-hmm. I guess so. And so he <laughs> shucked them and That's gave so up. Nice. Yeah, and charged us like uh-huh. a pound or something for it. Uh-huh. And then, oh my God, wait, now all these stories are coming back to me. I'll keep it quick. <laughs> That's how it goes. You get like triggered yeah. and then you're like, oh, I love it. I could just go on tangents for days. Every lane. But, um, so when we got to the island of Mull, we realized that our hostel was far away on the other side of the island, and we had to catch a bus that was going to take us like an hour and a half or something to get there. 
Yeah. And so we this were just typical shit in this darling town through. called Tobamori, which mm-hmm. a UK children's television show is set there, but it's called like Balamori yes. or something. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. So it's right on the, the bay and there's tons of really cute little colorful houses. And mm-hmm. so we went to the tourist shop there and we said, is there a hotel or anything here where we could stay? And she said, I actually run a and b You can stay with me. Um, and she cut us mm-hmm. a deal because she knew we were originally planning to stay in a hostel. And mm-hmm. so we went up with her. It was her house and there was like an expensive breakfast option and a cheap breakfast option mm-hmm. and it was like the full <laughs> scottish breakfast or yogurt mm-hmm. and cereal and of course mm-hmm. we said we'll do yogurt and cereal please mm-hmm. and there was another woman staying there and she was getting the full breakfast so then the mm-hmm. woman who owned the b&b said i'll just make all of you your lovely <sighs> breakfast and she had a dog so we took her around town on a walk and it was just very sweet we felt saved mm-hmm. and i remember that fondly oh i love that do you have a recommendation for me? Yes, I do. You tell. You know what I've been waiting for? <laughs> it's a show. And apparently I can't stop recommending shows. But cool. what else um, are we doing? You know what show is back on? What? Killing Eve. Oh my God. Baby. Yes. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Season three. Have you started? Yeah. Okay. Don't say anything. <laughs> it is as good. Oh. That's all I'm going <gasps> to say. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Phoebe Waller-Bridge brilliant Midas touch love she has. My, <laughs> truly yeah everything she touches turns mm-hmm. to gold flea bag yes flea bag is perfect I know what about you um my recommendation today is a little British comedian that you and I both follow on Instagram who we love oh. Oh. Luke Millington yes. Drake <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> just in case anyone needs a laugh uh-huh. Please follow him. He is so funny. His Cure Nightly so impersonation. His Cure. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Oh golly gee whiz. <laughs> just so, so funny. Uh, but yeah. So he's just a delightful uh-huh. thing on my feed. We'll post that on the Instagram. Yes, for sure. He is a really so good funny. one. That is a, mm-hmm. if Cure Nightly were to be on Love Island. So we'll have to share that. Oh, <laughs> share that one for too sure. Too good. Um, okay, so I'm going to say my word of the day. Oh, great. Um, did I take a shortcut? Yes, <laughs> I did. Okay. And my word of the day is Sassenach. Sassenach. Ooh. And do you know what it no, means? No, I've never heard it. No, okay. It is from Outlander. This is how I learned this. Sing and it means song. foreigner. <laughs> Okay. Um, Exactly. That's the one. (laughs) And it means foreigner. And it's really not a nice way of saying like an English person's kind of rude, actually. Okay. Can you say um, it again? They made it. Sassanach. Okay. Or Sassanach. Okay. Jamie says it to Claire and Outlander. (gasps) And it makes me melt. (laughs) (laughs) That is one book that... You know, have you ever like really fallen in love with a fictional character? Yeah. Because I have. Yes. I was like absolutely delusional about it <laughs> when I was when I was in it. Well, okay, like, I should read. Jamie that. is real. <laughs> this relationship is real, uh, and I want it. Uh, yeah, sign me up. No one, no one can live up to this mm-hmm. fantasy. Wow, great! I need to. That's a good winter. Tuck yourself into the couch and yeah. read that 
I should do that. It's so good. Mm. I mean, as soon as I learned that they make it to America, I'm not spoiling anything, <laughs> whatever. There's seven books, okay? <laughs> as soon as I heard they make it to America, I was like, yeah. No. What is it about it? I just couldn't care less. Down out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want I, them to stay in the Highlands. Mm-hmm. I feel the same. I'm just like, ew, American Revolution. Yeah. Ew. No. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Next. <laughs> But yeah, that's it. Great work. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone. And we will catch you next time. Ciao. Ciao.